Streaming has gotten way too complicated, but you can hack the system with Prime Video. It has everything in one app with one password. See Roadhouse, Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, all included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite content in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at FoxSportsRadio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Here we go on a Monday. It is great to have you in live in Los Angeles. It's the herd wherever you may be and however you may be listening. One hour from now where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. Plus, Kevin Clark from The Ringer stops by. J-Mac had a wonderful, beautiful vacation. Good to have you back in. He texted me late last night. Ready to go. Got a little cold. That's okay. Yeah. It's yeah, just it happens on vacation. So you I had one last time, right? I, I did. Um, I'll tell you, it was a lot of bad football, so you have to sort through it. You know what you really realize is that quarterbacks get blamed and talked about, but there's a lot of bad offensive line play in the league, mm-hmm. and if you don't play starting offensive line play, it's bad. Yeah. How about that Jets defensive line? Look really good against Carolina. Sure did. Yeah. Well, let's start with this. So the Broncos did something I don't think I've seen uh, for quite some time. They kept their offense on the field for the first four drives of the game, and that's with a veteran quarterback. And so uh, it wasn't very pretty until the final play of the final drive. So what does it tell you in the offseason for Sean Payton and the Broncos when he has publicly ripped harsh the previous coach and he kept starters in for four series on their first preseason game? It tells you this is not as plug-and-play as he hoped. Uh, they got a lot of work to do. It's not necessarily coming together. Uh, on a lot of those drives, they were dealing with second- and third-team Arizona Cardinal defenders. That's a bad team and an average defense, and they couldn't move the ball. So I do feel like Sean Payton, this is a heavy lift. He's got three things to rebuild. Russell Wilson's game and confidence. That goes without saying. He was good when he was had time to throw, but he's got to rebuild that. The second thing is he has to rebuild the culture, which he's talked about that publicly. It was a mess in the building. And number three, he's got to build the offensive line. And uh, it was shockingly bad. So, again, Russell was pretty good when he had time to throw. But all of this in a division 
with the reigning dynasty in the league, the Kansas City Chiefs. So again, I thought Russell Wilson was good five for five when he had time to throw, but he was under pressure 64.5% of the time, according to Pro Football Focus. And Russell Wilson likes the deep ball. We all know that. You're not going to throw a deep ball if you don't have time to throw. So that's another issue he's got to deal with. So I, you know, my takeaway was Russell Wilson looked a little thinner, a little lighter, uh, looked like he had a little more pop, a little more juice, but the offensive line was shockingly bad, and this is a heavy lift. Add in Sean Payton's enormous contract, that's pressure in the building. Add in Russell Wilson's a very public figure. Uh, add in the general manager from the previous coach, the previous GM who hired the disaster as a head coach. He's still in the building. Uh, and again, add in Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. So the other thing to remember is when Sean was in New Orleans in the NFC South, he was not only the best coach in his division, he was often the only competent offensive coach in his division. So if Sean came up with a clever game plan with Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill, Drew Brees, Jameis Winston, he was winning 75% of his games. One year he went 5-0 with Bridgewater in the middle of a season as a backup. In this division, he could have the most clever, thoughtful, unique game plan and get outfoxed by Andy Reid, who's in his division twice a year. So this is a big lift for Sean Payton. Um, they're not there yet. It's pretty obvious when you keep the offense in, veteran quarterback for four series, and you don't really light it up until the last play of the last series, this is not plug and play. It's, it's a lot of stuff to rebuild and fix. Uh, Sean's certainly capable of being it, but the AFC's tough. The division has a dynasty. The O-line's a bit of a mess, and Sean talked after. We looked at the numbers, and we went one more with the offense. You know, I wanted to shoot. I wanted to score, you know, and, and leave with a good taste in our mouths. We'll look at the tape tomorrow. There'll be a number of things that we'll be excited about. There'll be a number of things we got to clean up. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're in a race to do that now that we have you know, an opponent on film against us. So we start from there. All right. So that was the offense that I think a lot of us wanted to watch, at least me. Wanted to watch it. Thought Russell was good when he had time. Thought the O-line was a mess. And I thought Sean Payton proved by, you know, the last couple of weeks and what's happened there and a lot of noise and a lot of heat. They're not there yet. They're not there yet, and he's going to figure it out, and he knows with his contract and all eyes on him in a division with Kansas City, he got to hurry up and get there. Um, all right, here's the second quarterback I wanted to watch, Jordan Love. So uh, less than seven yards per completion, less than five yards per attempt. What am I supposed to make of it? Well, I make of it the biggest throw of the game, clean pocket, wide open tight end, and he not only missed it, he missed it badly. Bro, it's year four in the NFL. That's a layup. That's bad. I know you say, well, what about this and what about that? They're hand-holding him. That is a third down, clean pocket, bad miss for a college quarterback. He is what I was told throughout the offseason I thought he would be. He's a game manager. There's no special there. You can say what you want about Justin Fields at 5-20. and 20. You see wow all the time. I saw wow this weekend with Anthony Richardson. I don't expect Anthony Richardson to be refined and polished. But if you're still wearing floaties, year four in the pool, you're not Michael Phelps. In fact, maybe swimming's not for you. 
Uh, that's what I noticed. That, that play, that pass on a third down. In fact, Jordan Love, I know you don't want to hear this, but we have so many smart analytic people, uh, pro football focus, Warren Sharp. Jordan Love had the cleanest preseason pocket of any quarterback Thursday on. He had the least pressure, and they're still babysitting him. Under five yards an attempt. You cannot miss open throws. This stuff, the rollout to the opposite side, that stuff's layup stuff. It's going to come down. And I've said this before. I don't need you to be great on every play. But those third downs, clean pocket, those are layups for quarterbacks in the NFL. Those are layups. Thrown to the back of the end zone. Well, I mean, so you overthrow it. You can't underthrow it. That's not a special throw. That's an NFL franchise quarterback throw. So you start looking at the yards. Kenny Pickett, year two, and that O-line is not as good as the Packers. And that's a defensive coach, Mike Tomlin. Kenny Pickett averaged 10 yards per attempt. Jordan Love under five with an offensive coach. Year four in the system. Better O-line. It tells me they're coddling and hand-holding. Now, Matt LaFleur after, they continue to say all the right things. I thought it was solid. You know, obviously, you, you would love, love to have the, the one throw back to Musgrave over the middle on that third down. But I thought, all in all, he went out there, he executed the plays, and, you know, he didn't force anything. I thought he, he made great decisions and, and played a, the position really well. I know what you're saying. Colin, how can you judge him on that? It's year four. I'm going to judge him on a clean pocket, wide open tight end, Miss him badly on a third down. He had the cleanest pocket. This, this Packers situation is built to succeed. Matt LaFleur's system is good for quarterbacks. Good O-line. Star backs. Talented receivers, though young. Musgraves, a brilliant young athletic tight end. Safe system. Quarterbacks succeed with LaFleur. They succeed in Green Bay, and a large part of it is they've always got protection. He had the cleanest pocket of the weekend, and it's still five yards an attempt. What do you want me to do with it? I mean, I watched Indianapolis and Anthony Richardson, and that kid is really raw, but they kind of let him do him stuff. Now, 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 he had a terrible interception. Okay, it's year one. It's, it's, it's preseason one. I, I'm almost expecting you're going to be a bit of a mess, right? Anytime, you know, when you have young kids in the house, they spill stuff. Like, I get it. But year four, push, push, challenge, challenge. I just don't see it with Green Bay. They're not challenging him. This, this is just safe stuff. And I think basically they're telling you what they have. We're going to kind of manage this thing. Hopefully our defense is better. We like our coach. We like our running backs. Uh, and it's going to be a very safe, safe offense. Now, here's the thing. The division's better. Kirk Cousins is going to give you 25 a Sunday. Justin Fields now, who looked pretty good, has got weapons. We know Detroit's got a good offense. So the game manager would work if you had San Francisco's defense or Cincinnati's defense, or Pittsburgh's defense. Then you can do a lot of this game-managing stuff. But Green Bay's defense was bad last year. Hopefully, Jair Alexander returns to his great cornerback form. But this division, Chicago, Detroit are going to be better offensively, and Minnesota with Kirk Cousins and their offensive head coach is going to be at least very good, top 10, 12 in the NFL. So I just don't think game-manager is good enough. All right, uh, San Francisco, Trey Lance, Man, Niner fans are amazing. Did you see that game in Las Vegas? It was 75% Niner fans. Uh, for when you live out east, 
you know the Yankees are big and the Red Sox are big. Like, you know the big brands. If you've never been out West, you don't understand how big the Niners brand is, Denver West. It's the biggest football brand out West, and I think by far, um, and you, you'll you see it. There was a great example this weekend when they played the Raiders in Vegas, and it was all red. It was a sea of red. So they've been so good from John Brody, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Kaepernick got to a Super Bowl, and now... They're trying to figure out the quarterback, but that fan base is crazy. Yeah, um, you didn't mention much about the Raiders, though. Uh, how about their young quarterback looking good? Looking good. Young guy coming off the bench. Yeah, wasn't he wearing Derek Carr's number? I think he might have been. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> he gave that but, thing out in five minutes. You know, how much do you put, how much stock you put in these quarterbacks? One preseason game, a lot of back-off offensive lines. Well, that's why, to me, I'm going to judge Jordan Love now. Okay, you've been in a bunch of these camps. That's different. Trey Lance. Sam Darnold, you've been in camp, like Trey Lance. This is the same system now, year two, year three. That's when I think it's fair. Kenny Pickett now, year two. You should feel a lot better about this camp. Anthony Richardson, that poor kid, this is the first time he's ever seen NFL live action. So he had a terrible interception. Of course he did. Of course. Andrew Luck had terrible interceptions. But by year two, three, and four, the game slows down, or at least it should. But it doesn't help that social media is breaking down every single That's drop fine. back of quarterbacks, and it's like, oh my gosh, the offensive line's melting. It's like, come on, half these guys aren't going to be in the league. Well, also, when Russell Wilson had time, he was five for five. When Russell Wilson didn't have time, he struggled. So a lot of this is, and I think we've talked about this, college football, uh, it's more spread out. There are very few programs, like a Wisconsin or a Michigan, that do like 1998 offensive line coaching, like it's road grading. And that's why a lot of Badgers and Wolverines end up in the NFL, because it's like they can run block, pass block. So I think the one unit in the NFL that feels like it's kind of deteriorated over the last 20 years is offensive line play. So if, you, if you're resting old guys, and you, you just don't want them to play because you have very thin depth on the O-line, O-line play gets really bad, really fast. I, we've talked about this. The USFL, which is on Fox, right? Actually, there's some NFL receivers, yeah. uh, cornerbacks, running backs. The O-line play is awful. If you can play O-line, everybody wants you. And so I, that's where I look at it, and I'm like, now that's where you got to be able to manipulate the line of scrimmage with audibles, which I don't expect a rookie to do. But O-line play was my takeaway this weekend. It's bad. And when you get the backups... It can be atrocious. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Hi, it's The Herd. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. It's easy, 90 seconds. Use the code HERD, H-E-R-D. That's code HERD for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.co slash vball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Well, it was not pretty. I've said this before. The Niners are pretty much in salvage stage with Trey Lance because they gave up so many picks in the first round to get him. They're just trying to give him looks. So he had three three and outs before uh, throwing what was an interception, but it bounced off a player's hands and uh, then into one of their players' hands for a touchdown. It was almost an accidental touchdown. Uh, It was not very good. His quarterback rating was the most deceiving of the weekend. He basically threw two picks and both were dropped. Uh, I think I've seen enough. This isn't it. Um, He's not as accurate as Brock Purdy. Uh, he's not as talented as Sam Darnold. Darnold came in, by the way, boom, home run, perfect throw down the sidelines, 37 yards. Darnold is more athletic and more talented. That's why, you know, he is keeps getting chances. And Brock Purdy's more accurate. So I when I watched it this weekend, Sam Darnold is good enough to be a starter for the Niners. Now, I don't think he will be because all the reports, they're going to give it to Brock Purdy. But Sam Darnold's good enough to be a starter in this league, and he looked good enough here. Finally, he's got somebody that they gave him a little protection, uh, a great play designer. But the problem is, it's no time to experiment, and that's what Trey Lance is. And this coach and this roster and this franchise momentum, you got to win now. So Trey Lance was also pressured four times and sacked four times. So we know he's not really accurate, so where's the elusiveness? If you pressure Lamar Jackson four times, generally he's going to escape a couple of them. So what I was told, Trey was just not as athletic and twitchy as they thought when they got him in the building, and that the accuracy stuff they work with, but this is kind of who he is. It's hit and miss. It's not totally fixable. And the other thing is he came in incredibly raw. And so if you're the Niners, what did you learn? You can point fingers, but everybody in this league makes mistakes. I couldn't tell you the last time Belichick drafted an elite wide receiver. What has it been, 15 years? I don't even know. Um, but, but the Niners learned something. They have a win-now roster, and they drafted a quarterback they hope would be good eventually. The timelines were off. They needed a guy that can complete passes and get the ball down the field. They had it in Garoppolo, but he couldn't stay healthy. Now they have it in Brock Purdy, and he's hurt. So my takeaway in this game is 
Uh, Niner fans have seen great quarterback play for a long time. They have one of the big fan bases in America. The fans are smart. They've seen greatness. You can keep trying to convince them, but when you're going three, three and outs, and this is Kyle Shanahan's offense. <laughs> All right, this isn't some defensive, outdated head coach who can't draw a place. It's just, it's just not working. So we can go back and forth on this, but my takeaway is Darnold's good enough to be their starter and more athletic than Brock Purdy, but because of Purdy's accuracy, he's going to be the guy that gets it. Plus, he was undefeated last night, uh, last year when he started and finished games. Here was Kyle afterwards on Trey Lance's uh, start playing. I mean, it got off to a rough start for everybody. I mean, three, three and outs for the whole um, offense the first three times. So I don't put that all on Trey by any means. Um, I thought the whole offense was sloppy to start. I thought he had a real good um, second drive, leading there on the score. Um, made a hell of a play on the touchdown. I know it was almost a hell of a play for them with the pick, but that, that was the last guy on a bootleg. Um, it flashed, and he put it on him, and that guy came in and tipped and made a good play. But fortunately, Dwelly was there. Um, wish we got that short yardage so he could finish that drive. Uh, it was hard to not put him in in the third. The longer the answer, the less truthful it is. <laughs> it's a lot of word salad. Trey Lance didn't look very good. What are you going to do? I think I've seen enough. J-Mac with the news. No, 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 no. Turn on the news. This is the Herdline News. One of the quarterbacks who had a tougher preseason debut than Trey uh, Lance was Bryce Young. I mean, Colin, it was brutal for him. You mentioned oh. offensive line. The Jets just battered him. Yeah. Almost every drop back took big hits on three of his seven pass plays, including a sack on his final play of the game. Yeah. O-line took a lot of the blame, understandably. Veteran tackle Cam Irving said the unit was not good enough and they need to fix it. He's a former Patriot, I should add. Um, listen, Bryce Young did look a little small. By the way, Will McDonald, the Jets, uh, I think first-round pick, the big defensive end they got, maybe second-round pick, whatever. He looked huge compared yeah. to Bryce Young, like massive. Well, yeah, and I mean, this, is, this was a great example of... The defenses are always a little ahead of the offenses. Mark Sanchez was on the show last week and said it's just easier. The language is easier. It's easier to play defense and blow stuff up in the first three weeks of camp than it is to learn a playbook. So the offensive lines, which is the the one unit on a football team that has to have real cohesion. You don't have to have cohesion on the defensive line if you have Lawrence Taylor on one side and a Bose on the other, right? Yeah. Like, pass rush is pass rush. So I, I think this was a classic example of a lot of really talented players for the Jets on their side of the ball being way ahead of the Panthers less talented players on their side of the ball and it was that's why I didn't do an opening rant on it there's I couldn't take anything from Bryce Young under under duress every snap and the other thing like I'm getting caught up on sports after not watching last week but hard knocks you could tell the Jets coaches look very excited about this defense coming back Salah almost has like that you know that grin on his face that he knows something, and they just unleashed everybody against no, the Panthers. It was like we're not, not calling off the dogs, baby. No, that's not going to be the issue. If that that's that's what's is interesting for the Jets is that they're not offensively to this point close to the Bills or the Dolphins in the last couple of years, but they've been able to stay in a lot of games just because of that front. And so now, if you have a competent quarterback with Aaron Rodgers, that's why the Jets are the big mystery. Like, can they not get in their own way? Their defense is yeah. fairly relentless. I know you like Bryce Young. You don't want to take too much away from facing an elite defense in week one of the preseason. What do you want to see in week two for hopefully some growth heading into the, the Well, uh, well, well my guess is he'll get two series, two to three series, and he'll get better protection. They're going to work on protection. They don't have a great receiving core. They've got twos in the building. So, you know, I, my official picks... 
the Saints looked really good, and Carolina looked a bit overwhelmed. So uh, uh, one, it's like watching Russell Wilson. When he had time to throw, he looked really good. He just didn't have time to throw in about 70% of his snaps. So my biggest takeaway of the weekend is O-line play stinks most of the league right now. Agree. Uh, let's get to the Ravens. They got their new offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin. Uh, he will be Lamar's third OC in six years. Lamar's excited about what he's already seen from his new OC. It's great. I've been sending him plays of stuff I've been seeing, and he's been putting them in practice, and they're working. I'm glad he's listening to me, man. The sky's the limit right now. I wish you guys could see the meeting rooms. He's full of expressing what he's got going on in his mind. His mind is everywhere. It's like, I love you as a coach right now. I'm grateful for it. I love Lamar Jackson. Very gushy. I know. He's just, you know, listen. It was a lot of ugliness in the offseason about Lamar, and is he going to play? And, you know, he wanted maybe a different coach, a little tweak. He wanted some more speed at receiver. This is the team that Vegas really, really likes. Like, in, in that division, there's a lot of people. Well, the whole division's good. But um, if they can stay healthy, they got dudes everywhere. The, the problem, the defense looks shaky, so how would you attack this? I don't know if they're going to win 10-11 games. The offense is going to score points. So this looks like an over team to me this year. They're going to be putting up 25, 30, 40 points and, and easily. I just don't know if the defense is going to get enough stops, Colin. Yeah, well, they've now with Lamar getting paid they're gonna you know they're gonna pay some offensive linemen their tight end at least they're putting the money on the right side of the ball like I, I i do believe that that kansas city mahomes first super bowl they were 17th ranked defense if you got to put money on one side of the ball if you got to have a weakness i'd rather it be on the defensive yeah. side than the offensive and, side. And was it peter king who said zay flowers is a guy to watch in baltimore yeah real excited uh final story let's go to the nba this is a little crazy the sixers ended trade talks for james harden put out a big statement over the weekend and following that news, James Harden decided, I'm going to go to a basketball camp at a press event in China and say this about the 76ers president. Larry Warren is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Warren is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. So basically, he said, Daryl Morey's a liar, and I'll never be a Sixer. I'll never, okay. I'll never but, play for him. Uh, the timing of this is interesting. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the location of it is interesting, given Morey's history. This is going to be big news. Well, uh, James Harden has been over-discussed and overrated forever. Um, this is what he does. He wants to play for who he wants to play for. And I don't, I've said this before, part of it's on Daryl Morey. He brought him in is that I don't understand these general managers. The Clippers apparently want him. This is his act. He he wants, he doesn't want any of the heat. He never delivers in May. <laughs> he certainly doesn't play in June. <laughs> and he want he's the, you know, he's been overpaid and over-discussed forever. And so, you know, I don't have any sympathy for anybody here. I mean, Harden I isn't worth the money, but Daryl Morey brought him in. And I don't understand, the NBA is very unique. If, if a player kind of demanded trades two or three or four times in the NFL, people would just move off him. He, these teams, Daryl put his arms around him. Well, this is what he is. This is what he's been in Houston, in Brooklyn. It's, I mean, Oklahoma City. He wants what he wants, and he's going to do whatever he has to do publicly to get what he wants. This part of you just... This is kind of where we are socially. Like, a player can come out and make a bold statement. Like, he is a liar. I'm never playing for him. Period. I'm not going to take any questions. Like, we're not going to get any context? What do you mean liar? What, what Can you add to what you mean? Like, 
that's all we got. He's a liar. I'm never playing for him. Mm. And, and people are just going to run with it, and it's like a story everywhere. And we get no context on what he's talking about? He wants to trade him to the Clippers, but the Clippers won't give Daryl Morey what he wants. Yeah. So by James Harden, who's I think he's from L.A., putting pressure on Morey, what he's basically saying is make the Clippers deal. Send me to the Clippers. Stop trying to win the trade. You're not going to win the trade. So I think it's just trying to put pressure on Daryl Morey to make it. But, you know, the Clippers are going to be dealing with this in two years. They're going to have to deal with this as well. So it, it that's the difference between the NBA, I mean, and the NFL. Is this these guys that don't deliver uh, high contracts, hard to coach, don't get along with teammates. They keep landing. They yeah. just keep the plane I mean, just keeps finding an airport it, to land in. I just thought of this analogy, not totally thought through. Kirk Cousins has made a lot of money, put up great regular season stats, always fails and flops in right. either the postseason or primetime. And we Is consider there a little it, Kirk Cousins with Harden? I mean, well, now, Kirk Cousins hasn't demanded trades but, and all that. But Kirk's a team guy, never calls out the staff. I mean, never Harden de- led the NBA in assists this year. So, oh, like, that's great. And where I, I was he when the, where were the games? I, I, that, I, I, that None of that stuff, that's, that's all Westbrook, triple-double. I don't care about your stats. Where are you in May? Do you deliver in May? Those guys can be demanding. Don't be demanding if you are an underachieving May basketball player. I'm not interested in your opinion. So I, I, I'm just over hardened. And it, by the way, they were comparing him to Kobe years ago. Okay, that's what offensive. Maybe yeah, offensive. That's what stats get you in this sport. Yeah. But it's funny, Kirk Cousins. We lament Kirk Cousins because he doesn't deliver late. Harden still has all his fanboys lined up around the league. That is an, <laughs> in the NFL, like Kirk Cousins is, I mean, he's like a Pro Bowl level quarterback, and we lament how he doesn't deliver. In the NBA, Harden. He's moving merchandise. Oh, People love my, him he's online. the best. So, and the NBA, best scorer since Michael Jordan. People love, you're right, that's, that's a fair point. Yeah, that's, that's why the NBA players are empowered, because they are connected to the fans through their apparel and their shoes. So it's a much more visceral connection with fans than NFL players. We don't wear our cleats of our favorite football players, but you wear the tennis shoes of your favorite basketball player, and because of that, players know they can just do whatever they want, and their fanboys will be lined up at, at to buy at the Nike outlet store to buy them. And you know I like NBA jerseys. I'll wear them out regular places. You don't see NFL jerseys when you like go to the grocery no. store. You just don't. It's totally different. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, this Harden thing. We'll see. We'll see what happens. J-Mac with the news. Well, that's the news. And thanks for stopping by. The Herd Lie News. Uh, generally, touchdowns are touchdowns, and I don't care how you get them. Uh, the Chicago Bears last year were last in the NFL in yards after the catch. So they went out this weekend, and they made it easy. Luke Getzey, the offensive coordinator. There were some underneath stuff, some screen stuff, and it popped for touchdowns. I'm all for it. I, you know, I don't know why teams don't run more screens in this league. The Bears' offense last year was way too reliant on Justin Fields doing something amazing. Do you know who was number one in the NFL in yards after the catch? The Chiefs. Andy Reid dialing up layups, dialing up screens, bubble screens, letting the fast guys do the work. You know, even Mahomes is only amazing two to three times a game. It was like the Bears last year relied on Justin Fields to be amazing 17 times a game. 
That's not realistic. That's very much Ron Rivera with Cam early in his career, Big Ben early with Tomlin, and by the way, another defensive coach, Sean McDermott does that with Josh Allen. These defensive coaches aren't as creative and tend to ask their star quarterbacks to be amazing. I mean, that Chuck Pagano with Andrew Luck, McDermott with Josh Allen, Ron Rivera with Cam. It's not fair. Andy Reid, even with Mahomes, he's dialing up clever all the time. Underneath stuff, let my guy have layups. So I don't care how it looks. Justin Fields had some layups, and they became points. I don't care. They're just that you can't. I don't. Justin Fields, amazing talent. You can't ask Josh Allen to be the run game. It doesn't work. It will be highlight material, but Josh Allen's first year in the league, he was a YouTube quarterback, which is what I've said about Justin Fields. His great highlight guy. Make the game easier for him. And by the way, all the great quarterbacks have had a guy. Breeze had uh, Alvin Kamara. Uh, Brady had James White. McKinnon from Mahomes. The dump-off guy. The screen guy. The layup guy. Should have seven, eight, nine, ten of those per game. So I love what they did. I wish they did it more. Even as gifted as Justin Fields, Cam, Josh Allen, Steve Young, all these guys can be. Lamar. You can't ask him to be amazing 17 times. If you could get three great Justin Fields plays where you're like, whoa, Michael Jordan scored 30 a night. 24 were mid-range jumpers. And then three times he would switch hands. He would do something that literally you and your friends who went to the game talked about for a week. You can't ask Michael Jordan to do that for 22 of his 32 points. So I like what Chicago did. Eberflus is like, we were last in the league in yards after a catch. Let's get good at this. And they've added Robert Tanyan, DJ Moore, uh, Claypool last year. Backs are fine. O-line's not as bad as you think. So Matt Eberflus on the yards after catch. When you increase your skill on your football team, the catch and runs get larger, right? And the stat line looks better. So um, we're going to continue to do that. And certainly we're going to take our shots down the field as well. But uh, it's, uh, it's a good thing to see. And, it, and it's nothing, not a real big surprise to anybody that's been around because we've all seen it in practice. That was nice. It was encouraging. I, t- I got to tell you, when I watched the Bears, just as you, I know, that's your team. As I watched them, I was like, okay, take a little burden. I've been on this for three years on Josh Allen. He cannot be your run game. You cannot ask Justin Fields to be your offense. Like, there's a reason they're called receivers. They receive the ball. They're called running backs. They run with the ball. Allow them to. I thought one of the big moves of the offseason for the Bears was Robert Tanyan. So they went and got a second tight end. Tight ends are a great ally of young quarterbacks. Like, help your young quarterback out. So I, they, there's, a, there's some juice. So besides having DJ Moore as like a gadget guy, throw, let's throw it behind the line of scrimmage, you know what that does. That frees up Mooney, who's a 4-3-8 guy yeah. on the outside, and Chase Claypool, who can win the contested catches. Hey, you guys, the safeties have to worry about more. We're just going to ISO Darnell Mooney and just throw a couple bombs to him, and he's going to beat you over the top. I love what they set up in the preseason. You come away from this like, oh, it's a new element to the Bears. We've got to prepare for that. And now we're like, okay, well, we're doing this to set up this over here. I'm just, again, the Bears' schedule is favorable. Arrow point, look at you grinning. He's all excited about the Bears. I was 7-8 to on the Bears. I have moved them up to 8 or 9 after this performance. So who's in the cellar in that division? (laughs) Green Bay. Green Bay, yeah. It has to be. I mean, we've had, you and I have had a lot of opinions on this division. I think we both agree the 
momentum and offensive personnel for Detroit's really good. Minnesota will be fine, won't go 11-0 in close games. Chicago's got much better pieces for Justin Fields. Let's see how it develops. And Jordan loves not it. So Again, you know, you're sitting poolside sending texts, and someone sent me something about the Vikings, and they were like, hey, look at how closely their offseason moves have been done this, this offseason. Minnesota almost seems like they're setting up next year. Like, this is going to be a transition year where they start to figure out who they're keeping. Remember, new GM came in, new head coach. And it's almost like they might take more than a little step back. I haven't totally booted them out of the playoffs. But look at their defense, Colin. You know? And look at their offensive line. It looks like they're setting up next year, the next move. Like, this is, hey, we got to the playoffs last year. That's great. Nice job. If we win eight games and miss the playoffs, not a big deal. We're setting up for the future. Well, Vikings fan base is loyal. It's large. And the truth is they've almost always been competent in most of my life. They've all, I mean, they're very rarely have you said the Vikings are terrible. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they certainly have built up a lot of equity with their fan base. One of the best stadiums pull back. I mean, they've all, they've even played Kirk cousins is he played Aaron Rodgers 50, 50 straight up. I mean, they've, they've always been a viable team, even having to face Green Bay's superstar quarterbacks. They've yeah. always been viable. Moving off Dalvin Cook. and Yeah, the um, Bears and the Lions have had, like, rudderless eras. I never feel that with Minnesota. I always yeah. feel like they're kind of well-run. I mean, I, I watched them as a kid go to Super Bowl after Super Bowl with Bud Grant, Alan Page, Jim Marshall. They had these great Fran Tarkenton. They were always competent. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Byard. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup. Sit, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can help those affected by the wildfires in Hawaii. Your donation enables the Red Cross to prepare for, respond to, and help people recover from their dis- these disasters. Go to redcross.org slash foxforward. So expectations for certain brands in sports are enormous and often unrealistic. Um, So the Yankees have had, I mean, they're still in the wild card race, sort of, sort of. Uh, And yesterday they got a big lead, Garrett Cole, seven to one, and then it all melted. And then in the ninth inning, they gave up five runs. Here's the call by Michael Kay. And the pitch. And that'll do it. Arise will score a brutal, gut-wrenching loss for the New York Yankees as the Marlins win 8-7. Improbable, unbelievable, inconceivable, and absolutely devastating. Well, much like the Dallas Cowboys, uh, they're still good, but the brand has probably surpassed the quality of the team. Uh, Brian Cashman is the longest-tenured GM in baseball, but again... He's never had a losing season. I looked it up this morning. 12 American League championship appearances. He's got a lot of rings. What do you want to do? Baseball has changed. The Yankees now are not the richest team in town. The Mets owner, Steve Cohen, could probably buy the Steinbrenner kids over and over. So they're the second richest team in their own city. They don't have the massive financial edge, although they're still a turnstile financially. They're an ATM, but they don't have quite the edge they had years ago with the Yes Network, which they had for years and years and years. Their farm system's not very good. Bottom 25th, I think we looked it up this morning, in Major League Baseball because, you know, they don't really have patience to develop people. And it's a fair criticism. When's the last time they drafted and developed an ace? They basically go and pay for them. But the Yankees... Have, their last losing season was in 1992. In the Cowboys in the last decade, five of ten years, they've had a double-digit winning season. The Cowboys are the seventh winningest team in the NFL in the last decade. That's amazing. I mean, take Patrick Mahomes out and Tom Brady out. That's almost the envy of the league. And the Yankees, several times American League Championship Series in the last several years. But New York's taxes are higher than ever. The pressure is through the roof. And it's sort of a turnoff to some players. They don't want to play there. They'll go to a Texas. They'll go to a Tampa. They'll go somewhere somewhere where the taxes are lower. A Florida, a Texas, wherever. 
I get it. I mean, Robinson Cano went to Washington State and played for the Mariners. No state tax. He wasn't happy, but I get it. And by the way, Jerry Jones's ego sometimes has gotten in the way. But here's something to remember about expectations. So the Dodgers in baseball are considered the gold standard. The Dodgers are. They have one World Series title since 2009, same as the Yankees. <laughs> All right. So if you're the gold standard, how bad are the Yankees? How about people are just unrealistic? I mean, I, I don't get certain moves, and I'm a baseball casual, but this idea that it's a bad franchise and Cashman doesn't know what he's doing, I mean, their farm system, it is what it is. They don't have any patience. That's the reality, you know, of being a New York Yankee fan. People go on their radio stations, they yell, they clamor, they scream, they want stars, and sometimes the front office gives the fans what they want. The answer is always with everybody else's star. But the Yankees win a lot of games, and the Cowboys win a lot of games, and they're not winning championships. Well, I could argue there's no Mariano Rivera and Derek Jeter around, and oh, by the way, there's no Troy Aikman around. Sometimes it's just the players delivering, and the Yankees don't have enough good ones. And the other thing is, we have to be honest about this, the pressure as the media has expanded in America, the pressure in New York to be a Yankee is so much greater than it is in Los Angeles. I live in Los Angeles, and people love the Dodgers. In fact, they outdraw every other team in baseball by a lot. An enormous fan base. Very rarely do you turn on the radio and hear media ripping a Dodger. I mean, they got disappointed when Kershaw wasn't great in the postseason, but mostly it was defenders. Had a bad seventh inning here, a bad sixth inning there. The pressure's enormous. Not every player wants it. Free agents can now are much savvier than they used to be. They look at state taxes. They look at weather. They look at pressure. So I, I, I look at the Yankees, and I'm like, yeah, yesterday's a really bad loss. I mean, they're, just, they're like five games out of the wild card race. They're not going to have a losing season. Brian Cashman's resume stacks up as well as any general manager in baseball. It's expectations. Maybe those are unrealistic. Uh, Colin Wright, Colin Wrong, top of next hour. Kevin Clark of the Ringer will stop by as well. Uh, J-Mac was on vacation, texted me last night. He did not watch sports last week, and he's always catching up, and that's absolutely okay. Yeah. You did not miss much. I didn't. I asked the staff this morning. I didn't get a chance to look at uh, Atlanta. I didn't see Atlanta play, but the, the staff told me Desmond Ritter didn't play, so I, I didn't get to see that. I have no idea. Yeah, no, I, you know, vacation, you try to kind of unplug, no Twitter, no TV. Like, yeah. you just have fun with the family because, you know, when we start football up, Colin. We'll have no life. It's like, you know. Basically five months where it's all gambling, fantasy, and like NFL every week. Like every Sunday, I'm on the couch. You know, my men's basketball league. Yeah. Playing in the uh, playoffs start next week. Okay. I told the team, like, guys, I can't do the fall because football yeah. is Sundays and, like, the league can't plays Sundays. Like, I, we're, that's how valuable, ba uh, you know, the NFL that is. You like, bail. You're like James Harden. You demanded a trade out of your men's team. Just for the, just for the uh, NFL season. Yeah. We'll be back in January. Yeah. But uh, I appreciate that commitment. Yeah, I mean, and Saturday, college football. This season in college football is going to be so good. Well, it's the first time I can remember. I don't need, you can go back 20 years, 15 years. I do feel like there's seven teams that could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Bama and Georgia. Yeah. I think Michigan could, Clemson could, uh, Texas, USC. Did I say Michigan? I think yeah. there's like six or seven teams that would face Bama or Georgia and be highly competitive. Yeah. I'm going to be going to Vegas to sign up for the contest soon, and I think I'm going to put some money on Michigan to win the title. I think. I've got him facing LSU in the championship. In the championship. Okay. So we both like Michigan.
Jim Harbaugh, baby. I know. It's easy to like for us. <laughs> Hour two next. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.